Plato, I read a thing in Twitter. You know, you've got Plato, Aristotle, Aristotle, Socrates, famous Greek philosophers. There's one called Mediocrates. <laughs> and uh, he's got some famous posts. Um, whatever, maybe later, I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, kind of about three years into leading the eldership team at Cornerstone, I preached a sermon on whatever, because that kind of seemed to be the buzzword then amongst everybody, whatever. Disinterest, just total disinterest in the status quo. And I kind of thought I kind of hit a six, you know, good sermon. I, if I was sitting there, I would have responded. I would have given generously. I would have got saved, all of those. And as I get off the pulpit, this one young guy walks down towards me, and he's got a T-shirt with whatever on it. <laughs> it was like spot on. Today leads our biggest site, which is really awesome. I just thank God for the kind of change in his heart. We need conviction. We really do. You know, sometimes if we were to base our conviction of the conviction on the conviction of the church, we would battle to know what we're willing to die for what we're willing to make a statement about. And so I want to look at the life of Jonathan as a prophetic encouragement to us about a man who kind of took action. Uh, you know, there was this situation where nothing was going on, and Jonathan stands up as an incredible picture of somebody who understood the will of God, and he said, you know, that's not good enough. We've got to do something about it. And for us to kind of go into the next 40 years of effective ministry and not die in the second or the third generation, it's going to take a conviction about what God has called us to and to be willing to pay whatever price is necessary for it. For me, this is one of the, one thing, one of the things that the Holy Spirit is focusing us on. It's kind of addressing that kind of sometimes that status quo of just pathetic lukewarmness. I would not... We're all in heaven, okay, we've kind of got there, the Lord has come back, and we're mingling. And would you want to connect with somebody from, or would you want to tell somebody when they ask you, which church were you in? And he said, Laodicea. <laughs> you know what I mean? They are going to be there. So what church are you from? You know, Are you the guys who, whenever your name was mentioned, Jesus said, fetch the bucket? You know? <coughs> I'm feeling like I've got a <coughs> furball stuck in my throat. <coughs> That's what it says. So I would rather say I'm actually from Lystra or another chance. <laughs> have to make up a lie right then and there. Two, two swords in the whole of Israel. The Philistines had done a good job of kind of giving them a fat smack. And that was it. They ne never had an ability to make them neither. Jonathan had one of the swords and Saul had one. We know just prior to this time when Jonathan said to his sword bearer or his armor bearer, come, let's go and look for trouble, is that Saul had been rebuked by the prophet for kind of stepping out of the ministry that he was called to. And he acted in fear, and he sacrificed, and then you know, the prophet uh, came and told him off and said to him, if you hadn't have done this, you know, the whole Thing about your line would have continued, and so instead of that, it's going to go to somebody else. It was quite a thing, eh? And you know, how do you recover from something like that? It's the same as when Jesus turns to Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. Those are like key moments, you know, when you 
think you're kind of moving forward with great momentum and then, you know, kind of you get that rebuke from God or there's some kind of lesson that you have to learn. We need to know how to recover. And Saul, unfortunately, never. And the story is, is he went and sulked under a bush. If, if you kind of read the commentators about the type of bush, it wasn't a tree. It was a bush, room for one only, me and my muff tree. And that was it, sulky. Mm, the whole kingdom taken away from me just because of sacrifice. You can see it. And I tell you, too many, we get caught up in our particular set of circumstances and moan and whine and complain and the rest of it instead of understanding the promises God has given us, the power of God that's available to us, and the adventure that Christianity is. I remember my excuse for not going to church or even worrying about Christianity was I thought they were the most boring, I don't know, just weird people. You know, fashion was, if you wanted to know what was in fashion 20 years ago, you know, go, go to church kind of thing. They were, there was just nothing significant happening. And of course, you know, once you're born again, you realize you are called to the greatest adventure. We, we serve a king who has got a plan for our lives. For, for once, I have an identity, I have a calling, I have some understanding of what to do, and we need to know how to take hold of that. Jonathan knew how to do it. So turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 14, please. So this is how it goes. Uh, One day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young men who carried his armor, come let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. So they were totally surrounded and they were hiding away in caves. They were hiding away under trees. They were just hiding away. But he did not tell his father. Interesting. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree or pomegranate bush at Migraine. Migraine. No, Migron. He had a migraine, obviously. Here's the thing. He was hiding away, and he knew, don't go and tell dad, because all dad would do is just kill your vision. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that sad that a father can have that kind of influence on their kid? I, I don't want to be like that. I really don't. And the people that were with him were about 600. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. (laughs) It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. That's the kind of partnership I want. But notice where it happens is where we get onto the front foot. We understand they are the uncircumcised ones. It's like David saying, well, then who is Goliath? This uncircumcised Philistine, you know, saying what he's saying. No, he needs to drop, and we can do it with the power of God. Verse 8, then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come on, up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand, and this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've hidden themselves. And the men of these garrisons held Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them 
into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor-bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan in his armor-bearer, killed them after him. And that first strike which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made killed about 20 men within, as it were, half a furrow's length in an acre of land. How's that? I love that. One sword, and already that began to happen. Just one forward movement, and stuff begins to happen. You see, I think sometimes we kind of want to see something happen before we make a move. It's interesting. And we'll let it happen. Now, I want to actually initiate. I want to see something happen. If, if there's an opportunity, let's take it. And there was panic in the camp, in the field, and among the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked, and it became very great panic. Isn't that interesting? The earth quaked. And so kind of panic set into the Philistine garrisons. They realized that they were in a bad place. And then verse 16, And the watchman of Saul, Gibeah of Benjamin, looked out, and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. It says um, in verse 19, The tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into the battle. And behold, every Philistine's sword was against his fellow, and there was great confusion. Now the Hebrews had been with the Philistines before that time and had gone up with them into the camp. Even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard the Philistines were fleeing, and they too followed hard after them in battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed beyond beth Aven. I love the story. It's one man's bravery, his friend who decides to partner with him, and as they take some steps forward, an earthquake occurs. Isn't that awesome? Like God gets involved. <laughs> he says, I like this, so I want to get involved. You think of the other earthquakes that we know about when uh, Paul and Silas in jail, and they're jailed for the sake of their faith. What do they do? They moan, they complain, they you know, just talk about how bad it is to belong to this team. No, they start to worship God. It says they sang hymns. Isn't that like almost the opposite of what you do in that dungeon with cockroaches crawling over you and all sorts of bugs feeding on you and blood dripping down and pain and all. But they realize they serve the king of kings and nothing can hinder him. And I'm sure you've heard the sermon, African-American. He says, and as they were singing, God was sitting on his throne and he said, I like the song. And he started to tap. And the hard air tapped. Eventually an earthquake occurred. <laughs> Okay, that's, that's a bit weak, but anyway, I like the illustration. And what happens there? A church is planted. Isn't that awesome? And so, you know, I think a lot of times we're waiting for the miracle or the deliverance, and God's waiting for us. Are you going to act on your faith? Are you going to be that convicted that you're going to believe that going into all the nations is what God wants and that we are called to be fishers of men? And that he has equipped us. He has anointed us. He's given everything that we need so that we can fulfill that. The other time that an earthquake occurred was at a prayer meeting when the disciples were told not to preach this gospel. And they said, how can we not preach this gospel? We're going to do it. And in that prayer meeting, there's an earthquake. Again, they could have sat there and bemoaned their lot. And, you know, how bad it is serving God. Yeah, we are 
kind of we extend ourselves and now the authorities are upset with us. No, they rock onto the front foot, an earthquake, a miracle of God, and they go out of there and they preach the word of God with more boldness than ever before. And so I do believe that this call to action is an important one. This call to pioneer again, this call to kind of cut across the apathy of the way life is on this planet right now is important. It's important for us to get more impressed with God. I've been very surprised at the social um, networking and the messages on social media over this time of COVID. There's been more opinion on second coming and, you know, end time events. Guys are not using it to express their faith in Jesus Christ. When are we going to hear? We hear some guys who are leading amazing churches and they've got more to say about politics than about Jesus. Now it's time for us to kind of put our colors to the mast and start to stand up for what we believe in. To, to make a statement, we have the solution. It's Jesus Christ. It's so important that we use the opportunities that we have at hand. I don't want to be known as yesterday's heroes. You know, we're going to write a book about what NCMI did or Cornerstone or Marcus. No, no. There's more ground to take. There are still nations to impact. There are neighbors that need to know about this gospel. There's areas of our city that are crying out for something that is going to kind of lead them into a future that's worth living. And so we see these two pictures, Jonathan's call to action and the way in which he responds and Saul's inactivity. And you know, if you worked it out logically, Saul had every reason to be miffed. The promise had just left him. He was kind of in bad books with the prophet. He had a good reason to do nothing. And I do believe that every single one of us here now, right now, we could write down a couple of reasons why we just have to stay where we are right now. We've got debt to pay, we've got kids to raise, um, you know, got to do this, I've got to do that, and all the rest. And we make excuses, all I'll do tomorrow. But I tell you, we, like Jonathan, we need to take advantage of the situation at hand. And for me, there's nothing more important than right now, right now. So I want to ask what kind of tree are you sitting under, and what is your set of circumstances? And I think even if it is like Saul, you know what? There is no sin pattern that cannot be overcome because Christ has already paid the price. And so sometimes the unworthiness of your feelings right now, or well, I can't do it because of this, well, then repent of your sin. I think that's easy. Just confess your sin, and Christ forgives us of our sin, and we made brand new. So sin cannot be an excuse. In other words, you're holding on to something that's crippling you and not enabling you to do what God has called you to do. Or maybe you've tried a few times. Well, then, that's it. Just go again. You know, you can't stop there. You can't allow anything to hold you back because we've been given everything we need to fulfill what God has called us to. You see, if the enemy is to be is if the enemy is to be defeated, somebody has to take the initiative. Somebody's got to say, it can be done. And aren't you thankful for those who pioneered the gospel around the globe and we the recipients of it? Aren't you thankful that in a prayer meeting in Acts, they heard the Spirit of God and they set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work that God had for them? And do you know that for every single one of us sitting over here, he's got that for us. 
You see, I think sometimes we narrow this all down to, you know, does this mean I have to awkwardly go and knock on my neighbor's door and awkwardly have to tell people about Jesus? I think we need to take the word awkward out of it. There's no greater truth that this planet needs than to know that there's a Savior and there's a future. And God anoints us. As we begin to move, He'll create the opportunities. And before long, you know, we're going to see God moving in a great way. So during COVID, we have a top lawyer in our church. He's a deacon. He runs a life group. And while we were all kind of moaning about being locked up, he went to a taxi rank and he started to preach the gospel. Saw miracles. And start, thought, okay, well, we've got to put these guys through drug rehab. And through that, realized now we need to disciple this group. So in six months, he gathered a group together and we planted our 10th site from scratch. Well, some of us moaned. He said, no, this gospel needs to be preached. There are desperate people out there that need the gospel. So we went two Sundays ago, Dal and I, to go and lay hands on them, pray for them. And yes, this community with families and individuals that have been through drug rehab and, you know, kind of like a community of people because of that. And there are adventures waiting for every single one of us. And, you know, so you need to ask yourself, are you going to be Saul and sit under your pomegranate tree and sulk? Or is it now time to kind of say, come, one sword, two of us, we, surely we can beat these guys. They're uncircumcised. Goodness, they don't even know God. <laughs> Interesting that nobody noticed Jonathan's departure. Isn't that amazing? They eventually had to do a roll call to find out who's missing. They were so slack. They were so disinterested. And I do believe that the fire under us is the fire of the Spirit that is waking us up to our inheritance. The finest hour of the church is about to hit us because there's incredible adventures that He's purposed for us. When God's purposes are clear, obedience means action. And we can't continue to sit and talk about it, and talk about it, and talk about it, and talk about it, and have meetings about talking about it, and then put up diagrams and presentations about meetings about talking about it. And then we write a manual about the meetings about talking about it, and we put the diagrams in the manuals, and we sell them about talking about it. It's, it really is time for us. And I, here's the deal with this, is two men cause a whole nation to get involved and have victory. That's what it's going to take. It's, it's your call to action, your obedience in this is going to set many, many people free. You're going to give others an opportunity to get involved. Very important that. You see, the task was abundantly clear. There was... Already a prophecy and a word that had come from the prophet that they were going to defeat the Philistines. And as far as Jonathan was concerned, under his watch, in these circumstances, it didn't matter how many Philistines they were surrounded by, even with the sulking father, he was going to go out and make it happen. And I do believe we need to do this. He was confident in his God. He was confident in the promises of his God. It was important. Jonathan's faith and action was repaid with abundant victory. You know, and, and I, very young as a kind of believer, would read the Testaments and would hear about the adventures of the missionaries and 
guys who pioneered into new areas, and it always fascinated me. But I don't want to read about it. I want to go and be part of it. I want to go and see others come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And, you know, we do battle this format that we're in. And, and kind of in our minds sometimes, you know, the sum total of my responsibility is fill the chair properly, tithe, give, you know, make the building bigger, you know, come regularly. But there's more, way more than that. Way more than that. And we need to get off our whatevers, these things, and get busy with what God has called us to. You know, and it says that the Philistine army melted away in fear in all directions. Interesting that. How things changed just because one man decided that it can be done. And then the Lord saved Israel that day. The Lord saved Israel. I love that. We, we could kind of say, well done, Jonathan, or well done, armor bearer. But it was God's victory. And there's victories that God has ordained all over the place. He's looking for those who are going to take up the challenge. And you know, for me, it's, you know, often we, we, we kind of get a little bit awkward in our understanding of how this works. Start to pray. Start to kind of think that way. And in your prayer, God will begin to show you stuff. And as we celebrate, think about a church coming together to wait on God. Acts chapter 14, Antioch Church. What do you think they were praying for? Maybe a premises. Because apparently that church started in a cave. We've got a friend who went and visited. You've went and visited it. They had a, it's a cave. Come on, most of us who meet in a cave, we know that's no way to attract people. Goodness me, pray and fasting. We trust in God for a better venue. We trust in God for seats and aircons and sound equipment. Come on, Lord, put us, give us the best sound equipment. Then people would really know we're around. Paul was in that prayer meeting. Paul. You know what Paul must have said? Guys, God has promised that we're going to go to the nations and the gospel is going to go to the Gentiles. I wonder when last we focused our worship and our prayer and our fasting around where to next, Lord. How about that? Where to next? Are we just trying to make it? We're just trying to keep our head above water. Well, God never called us to do that. He called us to take the gospel to all nations. And it's important that we hook up with what he said. And it's interesting that he says, set aside Paul and Barnabas to the work I've called them to. Outside of hearing from God, they would not have known. Paul, of course, had a general idea that he was called to that. But now, go to Galatia. Go to there. Go, to, you know, go and plant churches. This isn't something that's supposed to occur every now and again in the life of the church. This is the culture that we're born again into, made to fish, and we're commissioned to go. Every single one of us, Jesus said to the disciples, come follow me, and I'll make you. And today's message in the church generally is, come follow me, and I'll make you comfortable. I'll make you famous. I'll make it about you. And if it's not like that, we've got a little box at the back. Just put your suggestion there. Better coffee, whatever it is. And that's true. No, we want to give you a reason to die. Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you. So right now, in a, a potter, like a potter, Christ is making us into fishers of men. And we could be frustrating what he is wanting to do. 
fighting against it because it's all about us. And then at the end of Matthew, go into all the world and make disciples. Isn't that an amazing challenge? Tell me anything else that you could belong to that has this appeal to the whole world. And we're given the provision, we're given the anointing, we're given everything. You'll guide and lead us. And it says there, I'll be with you right until the end. If you want the Holy Spirit and guaranteed anointing, one of the ways is go. Go. Because there we see God like we've never seen him before. There we see the earthquake, the miracle, the doors open, and the testimony. And so instead of just listening to one and being inspired by a testimony, we can start to write some of our own. I'm going to end with this. Some examples. Four lepers ventured outside the city gates. Remember them? You know, if we stay here, we're going to die. And if we go out there, we might die. So a might die is better than surely die. So they sneak out. Deliverance of the whole nation. God caused the miracle to take place. We need some lepers with attitude. We really do. David and Goliath, we know the story. What about the 10-2 principle? 12 spies, 10 come back grumbling, 2 say it can be done. And because of that, the whole nation, 40, um, all those, that nation have to die. What about Caleb? Give me my hill country. And I want to speak to all those who are over, what am I now, 67. I know you think I'm no older than 75, but anyway. 67, I've got work the maths out. 18 years and I'll be 85. 18 years and only then can I get to my hill country. You know how bummed I am. I want to get there now. But I've still got 18 years of active service before I can take my hill country. Some of us are sitting there in our 60s and we're thinking time to slow down. No, it's not. We need your wisdom. We need, what? Come on, you like that. You're not even 60. So what do you use amen in about yesterday? <laughs> Not an excuse. Peter and John and their way, they stopped long enough to pray for the crippled man. And Peter, through preaching, sees 5,000 added. Give me the holy interruptions, Lord. I want them. The disciples are off to McDonald's or I don't know, Mac, whatever, to go and get food. And Jesus is at the well speaking to a woman. And the whole village believes because of that. I want these interruptions, I want to be ready. And I commend those who've stepped out of their comfort zones and planted and kind of given up for the sake of the kingdom. You can never outgive God. And we hail them as heroes, but I tell you, we need a whole lot more stepping up and challenging the status quo of inactivity, of lukewarmness, of apathy. These are the cancers of, of, of life spiritually. And they kind of eat away at us and, and they destroy us. And it's amazing how quick those reports can spread. One king caused 600 men to go and sit down and kind of mope. And without dad knowing about it, Jonathan said, all these guys are as they Philistines. And we've got one sword. That's all we need. Actually, we, all we need is God on our side. We've got to deal with the excuses. The job is not done. The nations are waiting. We need to break the sin patterns, address the lukewarmness. Read your Bible. 
Understand the apostolic mandate of the church. Reach out to others in love. Plant a church. Pioneer a nation. Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And Jesus said, I've called you to do greater things than me. And, and he's anointed us for that. He's given us everything. We're not, as, we're not orphans. He hasn't left us as orphans. And if we were to keep in step with the Spirit, we'd understand something of this big picture and enjoy the adventure that we're called to. See, our job is not done when we filled our seats and paid our tithes and said yes and amen to every sermon and laughed at the preacher's jokes. Our job's not done. We want to be effective for the kingdom of God.